Father, we thank you. Uh, it's such a privilege to be a part of your church. It's an amazing thing. You're working on planet Earth. You're doing things in our streets. You're doing things in homes. You're doing things in buildings. And we get to be part of what you're doing. And today, Lord, we again put our lives in your hands. Not by chance that we are here. You've determined the exact time that we would be alive, the city we would live in, the street we would live in, the home we would live in, the people around us, because you've all put it together in your great plan. And this morning, all we can say is what a privilege to serve you, and yes, Lord, more of you in our lives. So we yield to you. Come and change us. Come and challenge us. This morning, Lord, we don't need to hear my word. We don't need to hear my message. We honestly, honestly, as your people, we just want to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so we open our hearts. We, you've already, your presence has been here so incredibly this morning. You've done things. You've adjusted things. You've built our faith. Now continue, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've just been um, saying last week and uh, that I would love to just take the next couple of opportunities I have to speak, to share a little bit just prophetically what I feel like God's um, doing with us here at City Life. And so some of what I'm preaching is relevant everywhere, but specifically for us as a family and as a group, we're feeling that God is saying it's time to change uh, gear, it's time to change season. Um, I had the privilege of doing a, a, a marriage in Belito this week of a, a young couple and one of the scriptures that keep coming up is this famous one of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 it says as the scripture says a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one I was talking to this couple and they both agree that they're about to change and they're going to become someone new they just kind of had to decide who they're going to become because sometimes, you know, in those marriages, the husband's trying to make the wife like them, and the wife is trying to make the husband more like them. And if you can only be more like me, we'll be one, you know. Um, and it's amazing because the scripture actually talks about Jesus and the church. And so that means there's a leaving behind for me. And last week we spoke about some of the pressure we put on the church ourselves to become. Maybe what Jesus doesn't want, but what we want. With our, our, our own kind of legalistic ideas, maybe a little bit uh, uh, um, pampering to licentiousness, maybe a little bit our preferences. We're trying to build the church the way we want, but actually the church, we need to leave behind what our ideas. And we need to take a hold of Jesus, and we will become the church that he wants. I always say to young couples, you've got to become a new team. It's not this one becoming more like you or you becoming more like that. There's a new team required for you to bring children through and to face all those things. And so for us, definitely at City Life, we want to become a kingdom people who please God. In Exodus 19 verse 6, um, when God took a nation out of, Israel, uh, out of Egypt um, this is what he said, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so God's desire for his church is a people who live under the kingship of Jesus. My question to you still is, are you living like that? 
Are you, not do you know it, are you living like Jesus as king of your attitude, of your um, thoughts, of your life, of your possessions, of, of everything that's yours? Is he king? Um, a kingdom of priests. Um, priests, the word is just simply to serve, to serve his purpose. And so I believe that God is taking us into a Joshua season. It's not so much about the book Joshua or the leader Joshua, but a season where we're stepping into the inheritance that God has for us. And part of our job in serving Jesus is to bring in an inheritance that already belongs to Him. You know that every single human being bears the image of God. It has God's mark on Him. It always belonged to Him. He created us. And yet it was stolen. And so this verse in, in Psalm chapter 2 verse 7 says, I proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. This is not something new. Every human being is what God is after. And so I don't know what that does for you, but sometimes we can think like, Lord, as long as I'm just comfortable and my family is good and my community is good, we're good. But actually, until the ends of the earth uh, comes under the kingship of Jesus, our job is not done. Uh, 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 it is scary, right? Ends of the earth. Lord, how can we make a difference to the ends of the earth? But the words have already come through this morning, and I... I must say, Craig completely missed it because he read every scripture I'm going to preach from in the prayer meeting. But sometimes when we just lift our hands in worship, when we just make ourselves available to God, God can do incredible things beyond what we can imagine. And for us as City Life, there has to be an adjustment. There has to be a, a shifting in gear. You know, when you change gears, you don't change direction for those that are learning to drive. You just, uh, uh, you've just worked so hard in that first gear to go, the revs are up. You've worked so hard to get to a place to have enough momentum to disengage and find another gear and push on in the same direction. And Joshua, how many times did God say to Joshua, as I've commanded Moses, so I command you. As I promised Moses, so I promise you. Because there's a continuation in what God's doing in our lives. But God's giving us an opportunity right now to shift gears and push on in what he's called us. And so, five little, small, short things that I feel for us is super important. The first thing is to remember that the purposes of God doesn't change. Can you just say, His purpose doesn't change, and His promise never fails. His purpose doesn't change, and His promise doesn't fail. It's amazing, in Psalm 33, verse 11, it says, The plans of the Lord stand firm forever, and the purposes of his heart through all generations. I want you to understand that. I, I love the way the psalmist puts it here because plans are often head things, aren't they? You don't of, often make plans with your heart, but purpose comes from the heart. And so God is involved with his head and his heart when he, when he does these things. And it's his plans stand firm forever. Before you were born, God had a plan. Before we came along, God had a plan. And the purpose of that plan remains through generations. And um, I want to say before City Life existed, God had a plan. 
And so it's not like we plant a church and then we say, okay, Lord, what's the purpose of this church? It's not like you get saved and you give your heart to Jesus and then you, Lord, find me a purpose. Get me a purpose. The purpose of God existed long before we came along. What we need to say is, Lord, here is city life. How do we fit into your purpose? And uh, if you read the scripture in Acts chapter 7, verse 17, let's just have a look at this. The purposes of God doesn't change. When the 400 years were nearly up, the time God promised Abraham for deliverance, 400 years. Can you say 400 years? It's a pretty long promise. 400 years and the time was ticking and the time came for God to fulfill the promise to Abraham what was the promise I'm going to deliver your people I'm going to deliver your people and then it says the population of our people in Egypt became very large now just think about this because if I was God uh, um Here's the numbers for you. In Genesis 46 verse 27, when, uh, when Joseph and them moved into Egypt, they were 70 people. Can you see that? When they left Egypt, they were 600,000 men. For me, Lord, if you're going to deliver people, isn't it easier when there's just 70? Now you're waiting 400 years. The problem's getting bigger. It seems more impossible. Now you have to feed 600 men plus women and children. They're saying like 2 million plus people. Lord, surely why don't you just keep them 70? Because to take them across the sea, 70 people is easier. To feed 70 people is easier. To find an inheritance for 70 people is much easier. Somehow we think as time goes on and things look more impossible that the purposes of God have somehow changed. doesn't change. Because the power of God doesn't diminish. And the plans of God doesn't change. And it doesn't become more impossible for God. So God says, no, I don't want to just save 70 people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take 2 million across the Red Sea. Women, children, old, young included. So I want us just to remember, no matter how you're feeling, God is Huge. He's massive. Maybe you're sitting there and saying like, yeah, Lord, the promises and the purposes for my life, the longer time goes on, the more difficult it seems and the further they seem away. And I want to say today that, hey, the power of God is here and the purposes of God remain forever. If we're going to go into a Joshua season, it's not God that needs to change. It's our faith that needs to change. God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, I will give you every place you set your foot as I promised Moses. As I promised Moses. You know, another translation puts it this way. Everywhere you go will already be in somewhere I've given to you. But what you've got to do is you've got to go put your feet there. Joshua chapter 21 verse 45. Not one of all God's good promises to the house of Israel failed. God's purposes don't change. His promises don't fail. What's he promised you? What's he promised me? I know it's bigger than what I'm living in right now. And you might say today, like, this, is, this seems more impossible now than when he gave me those promises. The other question I want to ask you is, how many of you believe that you and I can do something, that City Life can, can do something that still has an impact 400 years when, after we've gone? I mean, are you living like that? Are you saying, Lord, I want to spend my life 
on something that in 400 years from now, people are still living in the purposes of God because of the way I live. Well, then we have to say, okay, Lord, what is your purpose and what is your plan? Because His purpose lasts over generations. And there's a mind shift that needs to come to us to say, Lord, not just give us a purpose and give us a plan, but Lord, what is your purpose and your plan? And how do I line up my life with what you want for us as a church? If ends of the earth is your plan, if Cape Town, if the UK, if everywhere God is opening doors is your plan, Lord, then there has to be a shift in our hearts to believe God, you can do it. You can plant churches. You can make disciples. You can reach the lost. You can do it, Lord, through us. Amen. Come on now. Come on, man. Come on. What was the other one? Come on, hey. This morning. Every week it's a different come on. I'm just trying to stretch our thinking a bit. I'm just trying to say God had a plan for us, for this local church, before we existed. We've got to start plugging into that. That's number one. Second thing. If we're going to understand the season we're going into, we have to finish the season we're coming out of well. And uh, I feel like God's saying we need to learn how to finish a desert season well. You haven't stepped out of your desert season until you've crossed the Jordan. You haven't finished the desert season until you step across the Jordan. You can stand on one side of the Jordan. You know they say the Jordan River in flood maybe about 30 meters wide, three meters deep. It's not massive. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an obstacle. I mean, you look at the Mgeni River. It's maybe like that. You can stand on one side and you can look at the promises of God and you can see them. You're still not out of your desert season until you've gone across that river and put your foot in the place that God has said is yours. And so we've got to come out of our desert seasons well. We've got to finish them. Uh, in Numbers 33, look at how they started. The Israelites set out from Ramses, which is number one, on the 15th day of the first month, the day after the Passover. Look, how did they march over, uh, out there? They marched out boldly in full view of all the Egyptians who were burying their, all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had brought judgment on their gods. Can you imagine those guys walking out? Boldly, starting their desert season. How many of you have started your desert season? God just brought judgment on the Egyptians. We're his special people. We're so blessed. And then you're in the wilderness. You know how they finish their desert season? Deuteronomy 1, 26. But then you were unwilling to go. You rebelled against the Lord. You complained in your tents. God hates us. He hauled us out of Egypt in order to dump us among the Amorites. A death sentence for sure. How can we go up? We're trapped in a dead end. Our brothers took all the wind out of our sails, telling us the people were bigger and stronger than us. The cities are huge. Their defenses are massive. Even the Anakite giants are there. Well, it's not quite how they started, but how they finished that determines whether you're able to walk into your next season. Everybody has to go through a wilderness season. Moses went through the wilderness season. Elijah went through a wilderness season. Jesus went through the wilderness season. But it's how you come out of the wilderness season. You know, without a wilderness season, there's no promotion. God tests us in a wilderness season. And, uh, I mean, if you look at Jesus, 
Luke 4 verse 1, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. He returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit into the desert. And then in verse 14, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Jesus' exit from the desert season was one of great authority and one of great power. And yes, the desert was 40 days, right? It wasn't like he just walked in and walked out. 40 days, 40 years, whatever, it's just, it means a long time. The question is, you can only step out of the desert when you've learned the lessons of the desert. My question is, how are you doing? How are you finishing your desert seasons? Are you still complaining? Are you still just, you know, difficult to lead, difficult to follow God? Can you always just see, you know, what God's not doing? Or can you, have you learned to see what He is doing? If we don't finish our desert seasons, we're never going to walk into the inheritance God has for us. I love Caleb's approach in the desert. You know that Caleb was ready for 40 years. He was ready. He finished his desert season 40 years ago, but for 40 years he was in the desert, and he became this prophetic picture of what the people uh, were supposed to be like. In verse 7, he says to Moses, I was 40 years when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back an honest and accurate report. My companions who went with me discouraged the people, but I stuck to my guns totally with my God. Forty years, he's in the desert, but he's living with a mindset that can go into the promised land. I want to be that kind of person who says, Lord, I'm not waiting until the church is ready, until everybody's ready, but I want to live like I'm ready now. I'm not going to keep living a desert life. And he says in verse 11, I'm as strong now as the day Moses sent me out. I'm as strong as ever in battle, whether coming or going. I reckoned he was doing his push-ups in the desert. There were no enemies, but he was practicing his fighting in the desert. Every day he was ready. Every day he was ready. If God said, today is the day, he was ready. And slowly a generation became what he was. Isn't that a prophetic picture? Of what we should be like. We should say, Lord, if I, if I have to finish my desert season, Lord, let me be easy to lead. Honestly, for us as City Life, how are we finishing our desert seasons? We're still hiding in the shadows. We're still holding on to those things in the desert. You know, uh, when, when the manna came, yo, they grabbed so much. Remember that? When God said, just enough. Are we still struggling to obey? We're still struggling with those things because I think it's time for us to move out from that and into what God has for us. The third thing is getting ourselves into the right mindset. So, Lord, I'm praying and asking. For something of the inheritance that pleases you, Jesus. For us to step out in faith and to begin to live in it, Lord. I know this is a bold prayer. But Lord, for us here at City Life, we don't just exist for ourselves. Lord, you've called us to exist for others. And I pray, Lord, if anybody in this room has been in a wilderness season, can we just switch gears, Lord, right now? Begin to believe there is more that you have for us. Begin to step across that Jordan 
and begin to put our feet into some of the things that you've promised for our lives. In Jesus' name, Lord. The third thing is getting into the right mindset. I do believe there's a shift in mindset that needs to happen. And this is a very powerful thing, as you know, from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I don't think you and I can ever step into God's will outside of the limits we put on God with our thinking. In other words, if I don't think God can do it, you'll probably never live in it. If I think, God, you can't do this through me, you probably, it's not because he can't, but you probably won't experience it because if you don't renew your mind about God, yourself, and your future, you can never step into that will of God. And so again, in Numbers chapter 13, remember, um, this was the mindset, the grasshopper mindset. In verse 31 of Numbers 13, the men who had gone up said, we can't. We can't. What is it that God has promised you that you're saying, I can't? I'm not talking about what we're living in now. Remember, we're saying we've got enough momentum to shift gears and begin to step into that next gear where the revs are lower, but the speed is so much more. What is it that you're saying, Lord, I can't? We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israels a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those who live in it. How many of us are saying like, I can't even survive. How can I go into what God's promised me? This land is devouring. How many of you are saying like, I'm not stepping into what God's called me to because I'll lose my life if I try that. It says, and the people we saw there are of great size. In other words, the thing God's called me to is so big. It's so huge. And I'm so small. And we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. I wonder how they knew what they looked like in the eyes of the other people. think a lot of this was here in their minds. I'm not talking about positive thinking, but I do think we need to apply the victory of the cross to our minds. Is that good? You know, some of these scriptures, I know uh, um, people have put us off from using them, but I think we've got to get back to them. Um, through the cross, he's disarmed the rulers and the powers, and he shamed them with his public victory through the cross. I've got to say to myself, no matter what lies ahead of me? This I know that because of the cross of Jesus, we sang about God has disarmed the powers and principalities. I have to live from that mindset. Not I'm a grasshopper. They're so big. It's so massive. It's so hard. It's so difficult. It's so huge. It's impossible. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. I have to adjust that thinking. What about this one? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, I know that scripture has been misquoted. You can't just jump off the balcony through Christ who gives you strength. You can't just claim, you know what I mean? But at the same time, whatever you think you can't do, He can give you the strength to do it. He can. 
It's not impossible if it's within His will. And again, there's a mindset shift because somehow we get to a point where we say, I can't, I can't do this, Lord. I can't, this is too much. This is too big. If I step there, I'm done. And it's just a mindset shift that will transform us seeing how God works through us. He that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. Do we still remember that? Do we still live like that? Or do we live like the world? Whoa. The world devours you. The world is so powerful. The world is so, wow, everybody, well, what about him? I'm just saying, there has to be a mindset shift because we're never going to walk into all the nations of the earth as your inheritance. If we're always sitting back and saying, like, I'm not stepping out. I'm not putting my hand up. I'm not going where God's told me to because it's going to devour me. It, I can't do it. Got to shift the mindset. I know. I can see what's going on here. Uh, but we've got to take the Word of God and put it back in there. You've got to start thinking truth so that God can work through us. And the last one. You're doing all right, man. These are things I feel that we need to adjust if we're going to walk into what God's calling us to. And uh, sometimes a small adjustment makes a very big difference. I've begun to say to the Lord, Lord, every time, forgive me, every time in my mind where I say can't, help me, Lord. Every time I say this is so big, help me to say you are so big. Every time I say, Lord, it's more difficult now than it was then, I'm saying to myself, the purposes of God doesn't change and the promises of God never fails. They never fails. It's not too late. It's not too late for you to step into what God's called you to. It's not too late to say yes for what God has for your life. The fourth thing is a growing faith life. I hope your faith is growing. The way Jesus described faith is like a mustard seed. A mustard seed grows. Amen? Planted and it grows. You get, where you get mustard from, I think. <clears throat> our faith life can't be in the same place where it, where it is when you, when you first meet the Lord. It has to be growing. And that means my view of God has to get bigger and my revelation of His will and His ways. <clears throat> Do you know in the book of Joshua it says, there has never been a day like this before. In Joshua 10, 14, we're talking about a Joshua season. Just for a minute here, focus on this. It's a very important. There's never been a day like this, uh, one, before or since, when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. And you know what happened that day? Someone mentioned it. Uh, Joshua prayed a bold prayer. He said, Lord, can you make the sun stand still? Now today, we after doing universe outreach and all that stuff, I'm knowing like if the sun's going to stand still, some stuff has to happen in the universe. Because actually the sun doesn't stand still, the earth is turning and a whole lot of other things is happening. But in that Joshua season, I don't know, there was a, there was a faith in Joshua to pray a prayer that is so bold 
that he didn't even understand the consequences. But, he, but his faith was just like we are in the place where God wants us to at the time when God put us here. I'm praying it, Lord. Let the sun stand still, not for me, but so we can take more inheritance. And God answered that bold prayer that one time. And I'm just saying, like, when last did you pray a prayer like that? Honestly, was it just, Lord, protect my family, keep us safe, bless everybody, bless the food we're about to receive. When else have you said, Lord God, can you make the sun stand still and believe that God can actually do it? There's never been a time like that. I mean, this is the Joshua season. And I'm just saying, like, there has to be a faith in us that grows. That says, like, if God wants to, he can make the sun stand still. I don't know how that works. But when I read my Bible, it tells me God did it. And so I'm not going to worry about what needed to happen for that to happen. I'm just believing it happened. It says here that Joshua conquered all these kings and their land in a single campaign, Joshua 10, 42. For the Lord, the God of Israel, is fighting for his people. From the prayer meeting this morning, we heard it, that there is a battle that's raging. And if we're going to walk into our inheritance, let me tell you right now how, what the battle is. The battle is about people. And it's about people who will spend an eternity with Jesus, with God, and a people who will spend an eternity in judgment in hell away from God for all eternity with no chance of ever changing that. Some of those people are women, children, family members, cousins, uncles, aunties, moms, dads, husbands, wives. They are there. They, they are marked right now. And unless the kingdom of God breaks in, and changes that. That is their destiny. It's not a battle about more comfort. It's not a it's not, that's not what the battle is about. Everything we're doing here on earth is to bring the kingdom of God so the gospel can reach people. We heard that at the city celebration. You know, in Western nations... Every 24 hours, someone will hear the gospel preached. There are some nations where some, some people will only hear the gospel preached once every 30-something years. Not, not rejecting it, the opportunity to reject it. They'll have the chance to say no. We, we cannot just pray prayers. Sorry. Forgive me. God bless us. While this battle is going on. That's for sure. Amen? In a single campaign. In a single campaign. Took out a whole lot of kings. That's a Joshua season. When our faith begins to grow and we begin to... We begin to say, Lord, you can do this. Lord, you can do this. We begin to pray bold prayers like we've never prayed before. Lord, will you stand, make the sun stand still so that the inheritance can come in. It's not a selfish prayer that you, you understand. Faith is linked to authority. You, you know that. And again, it was mentioned this morning, but there was some demons that the disciples couldn't cast out and 
in Matthew 17, and they went to Jesus and said, why can't we? And he said, it's because he got so little faith. Faith and authority is linked, and authority and obedience is linked. You, you understand? The, 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 as you obey, faith is action. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a thinking. Faith, faith is not a, faith is doing. That's what it is. Faith is obedience to do what God tells you to do. It's like, take the ark, put it on your shoulders, get into the river, put your feet in the river, walk, go there. Not You can stand and look at it for ages and say, it's there, yes, it's ours. We proclaim it, we claim it, we claim it. Until you put your feet on it, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed until you obey. And so uh, look at this. Scripture in Joshua chapter 5 verse 1, it says, When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Something changed in the spirit realm when they put their feet on the other side of the Jordan. They were not yet in the towns and the cities and the places God had allocated, but if they could see in the spiritual realm all those kings that had built their kingdoms for years and years and years and years instantly lost their courage. In one act, one act of coming up out of the Jordan, putting your feet on the other side, spiritual authority changed. Now, they could have stayed on the, on the backsides. Stayed on their backsides on the other side, and stood there and shouted and screamed and do whatever until you cross over. You're not out the desert, and you're not into the promised land. It takes a step of faith. Amen? Think of that wall in Jericho. How many years did they build that thing? How many years? How many years? In a moment, all comes down. All comes down. One step of obedience. I'm just saying, one single step of obedience. Get ready, go over, the time is now. That's all they did. But faith is not like hyping up ourselves, you know, like faith is, let's go. Um, that, that Australian guy, Dave Hagar, that prophesied at the international team time last year, he said, we usually, we, we've been used to letting go. Letting go, letting go. But he's saying it's time to let go and let's go. Let go to let's go. It's time. Still talking about faith. It's amazing. As soon as they put their feet on the other side, there's faith brings authority. Faith brings authority. Obedience releases God's spiritual authority. But with authority comes humility. It's not arrogance. Um, that very next verse in Joshua chapter 5, it says, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Yay, circumcision. We know in Romans chapter 2 verse 29, No, a man is not a Jew if he's one inwardly, and circumcision is a circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code, such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. Their faith brings a humility where God is able to cut away some things in our hearts that shouldn't be there. 
And you know your heart and your authority is linked. Your, your obedience and your faith is linked to your authority. Remember those guys who tried to cast out demons in the name of Paul and this and that. And then the guy said, who are you? Paul, I know this, I know, but who are you? Not who do you know. Who are you? Who are you? Who you are makes a difference in the kingdom of darkness. What goes on in here makes a difference to our authority. And I feel like you if we're going to have faith, God has to cut some very painful things out of my heart, your heart, again. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and bring that humility where He's doing heart surgery again, cutting away some things that He needs to do. Yo, so many amens. Come on now. Just hold your souls back. Thank you, Aris. Do you know, uh, Joshua 5 verse 9, the Lord said to Joshua, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Today, the reproach of Egypt. This is 40 years later. God says you've been walking in shame. 40 years. 40 years you've been walking in shame. Since the day you walked out of Egypt. Yes, you're born again. But you're walking in shame. And you cannot go into your inheritance until I cut this away. Until I deal with the shame. Until I deal with the shame that's come from your being slaves in the wilderness, having no land, being orphans, just marching around, directionless. Having You have to get your identity right. Your sons and daughters, I'm cutting that away. I'm taking away the shame. I've been walking in shame for 40 years. I'm, I'm cut today. The Holy Spirit is coming. I'm cutting it away because we can never walk boldly into an inheritance God has given us with our heads hung down, slaves, mentality, God can't do it. How are we ever going to walk into it? Are you good? There's got to be a change of faith. The promises and the purposes of God hasn't changed. You know, God wants to touch the city more than you and I want Him to. He wants to, but He's committed to work through us. People like you and me, we can't say, Lord, please, our city. He's saying, Please, our city. We're saying, Lord, do something. He's saying, please do something. God, we've got to cut away some of the stuff. Faith is closing some doors. Um. I think Meryl read this this morning. It was mentioned. When they went through the Jordan, he said to 12 guys, you take rocks. Would have been Elred. Take a big rock and Jude. <laughs> You'd be the rock carriers. Take it. Put up a memorial there. <clears throat> you know who the memorial was for? Because once they built the memorial, they marched on into the land. It was for all the oaks who ever thought of going back. You go back, you go, all, you go back, you see the pile of stones, and you say, what is this? And it's supposed to remind them um, of this. I've got the scriptures there. In verse 24 of chapter 4. Thanks, Leo. 
He did this so that all the people on earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that you may always fear the Lord your God. You remember, he said, when your children go back and say, what is this? You should say this. This is to remind you that God is powerful and that you should always fear the Lord. It's to remind you that some doors you just got to close. When last have you taken a step of faith that you can't turn back? I'm just saying. This happened to me now, recently. It's like praying, not for myself. And God said, like, boy, I want you to take a step of faith and do this. And help, help there, help there. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm in. Hey, and then I thought, like, what have I done? And as I was going back, there was this thing. My hand is powerful. You keep fearing me. Doors closed, boy. Move forward. Come on now. When else have you taken a step of faith like that where you said, okay, Lord, this is it. I'm in. Back door's not open anymore. I'm in. Push forward. I think we've got to begin to exercise our faith again. We've got to have a growing faith if you're going to walk into our inheritance. Amen. Someone believed God for me to get saved. You know that. Someone prayed. Someone, lots prayed very hard. Someone preached the word. Someone, someone, God used someone to bring, bring your salvation. It's up to us to do something. And then, uh, wow, I've passed. Okay. Faith has to um, grow in such a way that we close doors, but that we also mature. You know, in Joshua 5 verse 12, it says that the manna stopped the day after they ate the food from the land. There was no longer manna for the Israelites. That year they ate from the produce of Canaan. It's an amazing thing when they stepped into the promised land. They were used to being spoon-fed. You flop out your tent. <laughs> Just enough for today. Me, my family, my daily bread. Do you know what maturity is? Maturity is sowing and reaping. Maturity is uh, you, you sow seed not to get bread. You sow seed because seed produces more seed. 30, 60, 100 fold seed. You get that from seed. And when you get 30, 60, 100 fold, you, yes, you, you are blessed, but you, you can plant more seed. And when you plant more seed, guess what? God What's that scripture in Corinthians says? He's able to make your store of seed increase. The, the, the goal of sowing is not bread, it's seed. And in, in, we've got to switch to a mode of maturity where we're saying, like, Lord, I'm not just getting enough for me, but I'm, I want to get into sowing and reaping. I want to get into sowing and reaping so you can give me seed so I can keep sowing so that I can have more seed so I can keep sowing. I'm not just talking about money, but I'm talking about money as well. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we, not, if we do not give up. You see, maturity means I've learned not to quit. 
I keep sowing the seed. Immaturity says I sowed, there was nothing. I'm just going to eat my bread. Where's the manna, Lord? Where's the manna? Where's the manna? Uh, I just feel like God's saying, there's seed he's going to give us that's going to blow us away over the season. And in faith, it's got to be more than just our daily bread. We've got to trust God that we'll be able to sow into the lives of other people. Spiritual seed, natural seed, all of that stuff. Amen. It's time is up. I feel like God's stirring us. Like he's shifting some things in our mindsets. I feel like he's reminding us of why we exist. It's for the people out there. I feel like for some of you, you've got to step out of your desert season. Get that mindset right. Let's stand. Is that okay? You've been great, man. Thank you. <laughs> I want to say that, you know, over this last um, maybe month or two, I've been spending a lot more time just praying in my own life and saying, Lord, you've got to make some adjustments in me as well. So I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching what I feel like God's saying to us, all of us. And uh, I've made some adjustments, still making more. But I'm super excited. There's a faith in my heart that God is going to do something that's going to blow our minds. It's going to blow our minds. And it's not going to be, um, I think it was Kay who said, it's not, we're, we're not going to be able to take any glory from it. It's going to be so obvious that this is God. This is God. But I do feel like God's saying to us, you've got to make some changes. You've got to make some shifts. Do you know that for many of the Israelites, this was second time around. It was a painful thing first time around. For um, Caleb and Joshua, last time wasn't a great experience when they had to cross that Jordan. But sometimes God says, try again. <laughs> says, try again. Give it another go. We're here again. It's time. And sometimes God's just like that, just giving another go. And this time, Joshua, this time God said, you're going to lead them. And so I don't know what that means for you. But Lord, I do pray this, this day, oh, there's such destiny hanging over us. Not because we, we, we are special, Lord. I know it's city life. We're super special. But Lord, we're part of your church. Eh? And your church has the calling like no other organization, no other um, entity on the planet. We have the keys of the kingdom. We have the mandate of the gospel. We have spiritual authority to open and close doors. And Lord, we have faith. And we, we're not under pressure to do anything. May nobody, Father, today be cheerled and pushed into something that you're not speaking. But if you're speaking, may we respond. With a resounding, yes, Lord. Absolutely, yes, Lord. No reservations. Yes, Lord. And whatever that means, and whatever the consequences, Lord, we leave that up to you. But we trust you, and we believe in you. And we know, Lord God, you're calling us to more. 
deeper, further, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. And so, Lord, I pray today for our faith to grow, for our mindset to change, for us to finish some desert seasons, and for us to remind ourselves, Lord, that your purposes never change, and your promises, they never fail. Not one of those promises will ever fail because you're faithful. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of being part of your church. We pray for the marriages this afternoon, Lord. Have your way. Speak, Lord. Um, bring significant change in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Stay for coffee, cappuccinos. Um, once we've had our coffees and all that, we are going to roll out the big tables and start setting up for this afternoon. We do have a quick meeting. Once you've grabbed your coffee, for all those who volunteered for the marriage thing this afternoon, we just need to coordinate one, two things. So if I can see you in the front, once you've had your coffee and, and, and all that, let's say five, ten minutes, we quickly gather and we get ready for this afternoon. God bless you. Have a great day. Come.